You're listening to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast, where ambitious people master the art of returning to their roots. Have you found yourself disenchanted with society or wishing you could opt out of the rat race? Perhaps you're craving a life that's meaningful and tangible, a life where you can create and produce instead of merely consume. I'm Jill Winger, best-selling author and longtime homesteader. Over the last 10 years, I've helped thousands of families create more connection, grow amazing organic food, and find the ultimate fulfillment through an old-fashioned lifestyle. And I can do the same for you. Now, on to our episode. Welcome back, friends. We are continuing on in our theme for season what is this season? Is it season one or season two? I still don't know. I guess you could call the first however many episodes I recorded season one. I don't know. Anyway, this is whatever the season this is. Our theme is origins. And I'm going deep, deep, deep into my own background, who I was before I became the homestead girl, how I got to this point, and how our homestead began. And of course, I'm not only just going to be talking about my own story, but I'm going to be pulling out bits and pieces that you can take and apply to your own life. So I'm having fun with this. I hope you're having fun with it as well. I believe when I left you in the last episode, I was standing in my college dormitory parking lot, waving goodbye to my parents as they left to head back home after dropping me off at college. And there I was, the shy homeschool girl who didn't know a soul and was far, far away from anything she had ever known. So I will say those first few weeks of college were interesting. I think a lot of people wondered, heck, I wondered myself how I would transition from being someone who was homeschooled K through 12 to all of a sudden being plunged into a classroom scenario. You know, you have your backpack and you have your syllabus and you have to find your classes and, you know, how is this all going to feel? Would this feel like culture shock to me? And I have to say, honestly, that piece of it was pretty simple. Like I didn't feel like there was a huge transition period. Um, I had attended one college class at our local university before I had moved to Wyoming. So I think that kind of helped me get just a feel of how college went, you know, finding your classroom and all that, which sounds so silly, but when you've been homeschooled your whole life, like that's a thing, right? But that wasn't traumatic for me at all. I do remember, like I didn't show a lot of outward stress during those first two weeks being on my own, but I definitely had inward stress. Like I just didn't have an appetite for two weeks. I felt kind of restless, but I did finally get into the swing of college life. And I found out that I loved it. I mean, I felt a little bit like I was jumping off the deep end or whatever, jumping off the airplane and building the parachute on the way down because I was so far away from my home and my family. But I was having a ball. I mean, seriously, I got to ride horses every day for class. So if you're going to go to college, it's not a bad way to do it. Um, But anyway, I loved the little community college. We had equine classes and ag classes. I did a double major, so I was in two of the equine degrees at the same time. I was in different clubs. I participated in horse judging and horse showing. And I still look back at those two years I spent at that college as some of the most fun years to date. I really, really enjoyed it. And 
if any of you are homeschool moms who are currently in the trenches of homeschooling and you're worried about your kids um, transitioning into college life, I will say that it was a really beautiful thing for me. You know, I did have that initial stress period. It was a little scary, but that's not all bad, right? It's okay to put ourselves in those uncomfortable situations. That's part of growing up. Um, So the transition wasn't as traumatic as you might have thought, even though I was, you know, had this reputation as shy little Jill. And I think that plunge that I took in moving so far from home without really knowing what I was getting into, that definitely set the stage for me to know that I could do that again, which was a really good lesson for me to learn that young. I got to get that feeling of what it feels like to say yes to something that's uncertain and unknown, but you know is the right thing to do and jumping off that cliff. And we've, I've talked about that in previous episodes, whether you're starting a business or you're buying a piece of land or any number of things that's different and new and out of your realm of usual, anytime you say yes to something like that, your stomach's going to be doing flip-flops and you're going to have the butterflies and it's not going to feel easy, but that doesn't mean you should say no necessarily. So I think that college experience as kind of scary and uncertain as it felt, it was a a really good lesson for me as an 18 year old. Um, So I made it through college, had a blast, made tons of good friends, rode horses, showed horses. Uh, I worked at the barn and I think it was my last semester, I was gearing up to go on an internship in for a horse trainer. So my internship would be like working for a horse trainer and getting credit for it. And m- part of my job, because um, I paid to put myself through college, I got some scholarships and then I did the rest myself, is I would get up early in the morning with the rest of this barn crew and we would go into the arena and it would be after rodeo practice. So you know, the rodeo kids would be like practicing in the, the night before. And then that next morning we would scrape out the alleyways because the cows would poop a lot in the alleyways. And so usually it would require a giant scraper tool because they were concrete. And we would literally like scrape inches and inches of liquid cow manure out. And it was stinky and it was smelly. And I really honestly didn't mind it. I don't mind that sort of thing. That's just how I roll. So that was my job with all the other barn crew kids. And I vaguely noticed there was a crew of electricians there wiring our arena. And they had been there for a while. Um, They were putting in a new sound system. And I remember one guy in sort of vaguely in particular, this tall guy, but I guess I didn't really pay super close attention. Um, But fast forward to a month or two later, I noticed this same guy at the church I was going to. So... I think I said hi to him at one of the services, didn't think much of it. And lo and behold, a couple days later, I found a note on my windshield and a bouquet of flowers. Looking back, it maybe was a little stalkerish, but you also have to admire a guy who can go after what he wants. So spoiler alert, that was Christian. Um, He was the electrician and he had noticed me at the barn scraping manure at 6 a.m., um, with no makeup and a ball cap on. And apparently he was smitten right then and there. <laughs> so much so that when I showed up at church, he, you know, was like, this is my opportunity. So he, um, figured out, you know, where my, where I was 
I was living in the dorms and he figured out where my truck was. So it wasn't as, as creepy as you might think. It was legit. He didn't like do anything weird anyway. So he left a note on my windshield. I agreed to go on a date with him and the rest is history. Um, he actually grew up very similar to how I did. He was raised in town. He was even raised in a similar sort of house. Um, he had always loved agriculture and cowboy life and rural stuff, but he wasn't raised in the country. And so interestingly enough, on our very first date, and maybe some of you have heard me talk about this before, but we talked about our dreams and our goals. And it both came out that we both wanted to own land and cattle and maybe even a ranch of our own someday. So here we were sitting on our first date talking about this, but oh, how long was it? A couple months later, maybe more than a couple months, he proposed, we got married and started our life together. I mean, I fast forwarded through some, some time there, but I'm trying to keep this short and sweet. Anyway, as young newlyweds, you know, you're young and you're kind of clueless, even though you don't know that at the time, looking back now, I'm like, we knew nothing. But one thing that kept sticking out for us, that was something that we both agreed on is we didn't really know what our life would look like. We didn't have huge dreams and goals at that point, but we kept saying over and over, even though we didn't really know what it meant, we said, we don't want to just live like everyone else. We just don't want to fall in the rut. And if you would have pushed on me back then, I think I would have had a hard time verbalizing what that even meant um, to live like everyone else. But I, I think in a nutshell, we just didn't want to fall into this idea that we had to go with the flow unless the flow worked for us. You know, we we knew a lot of folks who would have dreams and goals as young people or as young newlyweds, but then they would, you know, have the kids and get the minivan and buy the house in town. And it was just like, they kind of all followed in the same pattern. And if that's you, I'm not picking on that at all. It just didn't feel like that was what we were supposed to do. There's nothing wrong with it. It just wasn't right for us. So we kept saying, you know, what, what do we want that's different? And we were trying to verbalize that and trying to get clear on that. And the one thing that kept coming up is that we knew that we wanted to live out in the country because him and I had both had that deep desire since childhood. And we knew that when we bought our first house, because at that point we were renting, that we knew our first home, even if it stretched us, even if it was inconvenient with location to our jobs and such, that we had to get some land. Now, sometimes people ask when they see our homestead now, if we come from wealthy families or if we were gifted property or if we had inherited, you know, the farm and no, <laughs> we had nothing like that whatsoever. So this dream of ours to own land as young 20 somethings was a little bit audacious based on, we didn't have any, anything to start from. We were literally starting from scratch. Now, thankfully, before we got married, both my mom and Christian's dad had given us a copy of Dave Ramsey's book, Total Money Makeover. You've heard me talk about Dave Ramsey on this podcast before. You probably heard, you probably knew that was coming, but that book was so eye-opening for us. And that was like a lightning bolt hit us when we read it. And we started to get the vision of, you know, if we follow this path, 
even though it doesn't look super easy, but if we follow this path, this could be what helps us get closer to where we want to go with our dream of being landowners someday or having the farm, having the ranch, having the cattle potentially. So we committed right from the beginning to follow Dave Ramsey just as close as we possibly could. Now, that sounds, you know, fast forward today, we're, we're debt free, you know, we have toys and we're able to build our homestead and stuff like that. And it, it sounds glamorous and it's fun to tell this story of, you know, rags to, to riches, if you will, if you even want to call it that. But let me just say, friends, it is not glamorous when you're in the middle of that plan. So, and I know a lot of you are Dave Ramseyites. If you are on those baby steps, I see you, I feel you, I am rooting for you. Do not quit. But I also know it is not easy, but it is so worth it. So we had a very lengthy period of our um, marriage, early marriage, where we were, were frugal. Frugal wasn't even the word. We were extremely careful. We didn't use credit cards at all. We budgeted everything. We were very careful not to eat out. We didn't really go to movies. We didn't do a lot of stuff like that. Um, we were very committed to not taking out a loan on any sort of vehicle. That's something we still hold to to this day, which sounds fine and dandy, but that means that we were buying, you know, cars for $2,000 because that's what we could afford to pay for with cash. And for some reason, the one car that we could always find, the one model was a Ford Taurus. And I think Dave Ramsey even talks about Ford Tauruses as being like a great car because they hold their value or something. But anyway, we were like the, the Ford Taurus parade. We had one Ford Taurus after the other. In case you don't know what they look like, they are not a super snazzy car. <laughs> they are a four-door sedan, kind of clunky. We had the older models, which are even clunkier. And one in particular was white. And I believe not too long after we bought it with cash, very used, I backed into it with my little truck that I had, the one I had from college. Uh, I backed into it and put a big old crease in the door. So I drove that one forever. They dented up Ford Taurus and everyone gave us crap for that. We had friends and neighbors, a lot of them good natured, right? But they gave us all sorts of crap for our old cars and then they'd break down and Christian was constantly fixing them. Um, and that was our reality for a very long time, pinching pennies, watching what we spent, um, making sure we were not living beyond our means. At that point in time, Christian was I'm trying to think. I think he was still an electrician and I was working as a vet. So we both had jobs. We were working full time, but, um, you know, we still weren't necessarily rolling in it, but we were more than anything trying to set ourselves up for what we wanted in the future. Um, so we didn't know what that would look like exactly, but we knew that we had to get super specific with our finances to make it happen. And I don't know if I mentioned at that point in time, we were living, we were renting in this near this little, little town that we live in, excuse me, live near now. We don't live in town, but we live near this little town, same little town. We just rented a single wide trailer for $300 a month, um, outside on the other direction of this little town. So there we were in our single wide trailer 
but it was 300 bucks a month. And that gave us more money to put in our savings account. And the cool thing was this little trailer had a garden plot and it had a spot for us to put our horses. And I think we even got a couple geese. We didn't do chickens, but we built a little portable, um, goose house, if you will. <laughs> and so I had started dabbling in the garden. I had stab started dabbling with the poultry, but I had no idea what homesteading even was. I hadn't even heard the word. I'd never even said the word, but these seeds were being planted even way back then. So when I look back at that part of our life, it definitely had a lot of obstacles to it. You know, we didn't have any major hardships, but constantly watching our finances and constantly being so, so careful, you know, that just can wear on you after a while. But as much as I wished for things to be different back then, and I would look at our friends buying fancy vehicles or toys or things, and I was like, man, I wish we could just go do that. You know, they're just going and putting it on their credit card and it looks so easy. Why can't we just go do that? But, you know, something held us back. We were committed to our plan. And as hard as that was, I'm so glad that we stuck with it. And I look back now and I know we had to go through that to get to where we are today. It was part of the learning process of becoming what we ended up becoming. So my takeaway for you in today's episode is don't be afraid to start small and do not be ashamed of humble beginnings. And that can mean a lot of different things. If you're starting a business, maybe you're starting with a cardboard box as your desk and you're bootstrapping and doing it all yourself. Totally admirable. If you're starting a homestead, maybe you can't move right now. Maybe you're homesteading where you are now in town and you're making your backyard work. Maybe you want to learn how to cook better, but you can't afford a KitchenAid or a food processor. So you're just getting creative and doing what you can with what you have. And I would just encourage you to not rush through those humble starts to get to the big, shiny, exciting thing on the other side, because there's a lot of lessons to be learned along the way. And we all have to start somewhere. And as long as you are taking steps forward, I say good on you. And it doesn't matter if those steps are perfect or shiny or spectacular, just keep trucking, just keep moving forward. And you're going to be amazed at how far you come. So that is all for this episode. In next episode, I'm going to introduce you to the impulse buy of a lifetime and how all that went down, even though everyone told us we were crazy and to run away as fast as we could. So I love this part of the story. It's one of my favorites. Thanks for listening. I, I hope this was helpful to you. I would love for you to post on Instagram if you had a revelation in regards to today's episode. Um, maybe share a little bit about your own humble beginnings. I loved seeing some of the responses that you guys posted about our first episode. We talked about labels and some of you posted the labels that you've been shedding or the labels you've been identifying. So good, so powerful. So love to hear what your takeaways are from this one. And as always, if you found this episode helpful, if you would be so inclined to give it a review over on iTunes or Spotify, that just goes a really long way in helping us spread the word to other homesteaders. So Appreciate you, friend. Appreciate you being here. And all your feedback, we'll talk again soon.